Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident Jackie Honig. This week um, is one of my favorite days, uh, possibly of the year, um, in a leap year. This week we have Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. Um, so when we have a leap year, um, it's really fun because we generally celebrate anything that's in Adar. You have to figure out, well, do you do it in Adar Aleph or Adar Bet? And so generally we do yard sites in Adar Aleph, and then we do birthdays in Adar Bet, and we have a lot of fun, and that's where Purim is, and I really love it, and I'm really excited. So I'm actually going to teach about Rosh Chodesh today. The Parsha Pekude is very interesting, and... I didn't necessarily feel like talking about the Mishkan much more. So instead, we're going to talk about Rosh Chodesh that is coming up this week. And I'm very excited. And you all can't see, but Taibo has a beautiful picture up of the um, cycle of the moon, which is amazing because that's where I'm going to end. Like you knew. So we are starting. Um, if you have the source sheet at home, great. If not, we are starting with Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. So just to let you know where we are, this is verse 2 of chapter 12. Verse 1 is, Very exciting, right before this, God says to Moses. Um, but right before that, um, we are in the middle of the Exodus story. Um, God has just hardened Pharaoh's heart. We're getting ready to go. And then God says to Moses, Ha-chodesh hazeh lachem rosh chodeshim rishon hu lachem. This month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first of the months of the year for you. So we get here, Rosh Chodesh, right in the middle of the Exodus story. And it's kind of this verse on its own. You're welcome to look at it if you have a Chumash or a Tanakh in front of you. And then it continues on talking about Korban Pesach and about, about leaving and about um, blood on your doorposts and leaving in the middle of the night and all of these things. So this verse kind of stands out on its own. So I have Rashi here, but not Rashi on this verse. Rashi at the very, very, very beginning on Bereshit, as in Bereshit bara Elohim. So in the beginning, Rabbi Isaac said, the Torah, which is the law book of Israel, should have commenced with the verse, this month shall be unto you the first of the months, which is the first commandment given to Israel. So there are lots of, there are lots of things to say about why did did Genesis start where it is, but I want to focus on this idea that this is the first commandment given to Israel. Why do you think this might be? What's important about it? What is interesting about it, either in in general or in the moment that it happens in our story? Why why about about Exodus? So the, about sorry, excuse me, about Rosh Chodesh. Like what's interesting that it's the first commandment or what strikes you that it's the excuse me, that it's the first mitzvah given to the Jews, um, or what strikes you about that this is where it appears in our story, that it appears kind of stuck in the middle of all of this leaving Egypt narrative. Yeah. So it's actually before, so so we've got, a, we've got an idea that it might be repentance for the golden calf, but this is actually well before that. The Jews are actually still in Egypt. So they have, right, so this doesn't come out of the most recent Parsha, but I do know, or, I know where your head's at. Um, this is coming... Chapters, this is coming books, uh, chapters ago, excuse me, um, right after, right after God Pharaoh's heart, hardens Pharaoh's heart, 
before they make the preparations even to leave Egypt. So they're actually still in Egypt. Yeah, Fields Meyer family. I don't know. I don't know who to... Hi! It's yes, hi. Um, I was going to say, I uh, keeping time together, uh, recording time together is kind of a way of being together as a, as a family or as a people. And so the idea that we all have to go by the same calendar is a way of, is part of the way of defining, taking, you know, disparate people and joining them together as one. So I love that. I really love... I love right now, especially everything that what ties us together and what makes community. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and marking time together is a great way. Tybal. Um, in addition to what Tom said, one of the biggest distinctions between being a slave and being independent is control over one's own time and defining time. Because in slave, when people are enslaved, they don't get to define time. I mean, another distinction too, though that's not necessary. That's not part of this parsha. Is but I think it's why um, when archaeologists find coins that speak to the his the um, historic evidence for ancient Israel, because that's another sign when you're when you're a polity, you can make your own coins. So keeping track of time doesn't take the same infrastructure as coins, but it's a step on the way to being a people with self-governance. Sorry, there, I was paused because there seems to be an, a weird echo coming through. Like, I'm hearing you again. Oh, I'm hearing you through the computer. Sorry, it was just like a weird moment. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. So this is coming. I really, I think these two answers in tandem. You also, you should just know, Tabla, you got a little from Cantor Chorney that that was also the point she was going to make. Um, that you see these together, right? That there's peoplehood and there's independence. And I think... Independence is really big, and, and God is here preparing the Israelites to be an independent nation, um, which is really interesting when you read it in conjunction with a lot of thoughts about, like, who were actually the people who left Egypt, and so what made them a people. So other thoughts, or we'll kind of move on to the next. So next we've – okay, so we've got Rosh Chodesh. It's a thing. It's important. Um, it's, the first, it's the first thing we're told. We're community. We're independent. So the next thing I have is a source from Julian, from the Gemara, on um, on the moon. And so because Rosh Chodesh is, as, as Taibel showed us, Rosh Chodesh is connected to the cycle of the moon. The Gregorian calendar goes by the sun, and we as Jews mark time by the moon. I just realized I had meant to wear my moon earrings and missed it. This week I'll wear them. So Julian 60b, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi raises a contradiction. It's written, and God made the two great lights. And it is also written, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, indicating that only one was great. Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi explains, when God first created the sun and the moon, they were equally bright. Then the moon said before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is it possible for two kings to serve with one crown? One of us must be subservient to the other. God therefore said to her, to the moon, go and diminish yourself. She said before him, master of the universe, since I said a correct thing before you, I must diminish myself? God responded, go and rule during the day with the sun and during the night. The moon said to God, what is the greatness of shining alongside the sun? What use is a candle in the middle of the day? 
God said to her, go, let the Jewish people count the days and years with you, and this will be your greatness. The moon said to God, but the Jewish people will count with the sun as well, as it is impossible that they will not count seasons with it, as it is written, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God said to her, to the moon, go, let righteous men be named after you. Just as you are called the lesser late Hakatan, there will be Yaakov Hakatan, i.e. Jacob, Shmuel Hakatan, the Tana, and David Hakatan, i.e. King David. God saw that the moon was not comforted. The Holy One blessed the Hakadosh Baruch who said, bring atonement for me since I diminish the moon. And this is what Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish said, Reish Lakish, what is different about the goat offering of the new moon that it is stated with regard to it for the Lord. The Holy One, blessed be he, said, this goat shall be an atonement for me for having diminished the size of the moon. I enjoyed that. I just, I was looking down and I hear it laugh. It was really great. Um, so I just want to start with an open, like, what strikes you? What strikes you about the story? What do you think? Yeah, Joey. So Joey points out that depending on where you are in the moon cycle, you do see the moon along with the sun. I did not know that. So Joey says that the waxing, so waxing and waning, waxing is when the moon is getting bigger and waning is when it's getting smaller. So a waxing crescent you see right at, in the evening and a waning crescent you see before dawn. Learned a new thing about science today. Love that. It's true. Joey said I'm probably asleep at that time, which is very true in the morning. I am awake at like 6 p.m. I just want to name that. Rabbinical school is hard, but not that hard. I'm mostly awake at 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. So so we've got pointed out that it feels like a folktale, that there's space for everyone. Something that I really love about this um, is that I grew up loving Greek mythology and, and Native American indigenous mythology. And I, until I started learning Gemara, never realized like we also have our own stories about this, and I love that feel of this, that it really feels like those kind of ancient people myths um, that I wasn't exposed to in the same. Yeah. So we've got, we've got the comparison that the moon seems like a very Jewish character complaining and arguing with God, and then God is like, I'll do this, and the moon's like, meh, not enough. And there's this kind of this back and forth. Anyone on Zoom? I don't want to call it the Fieldsmeyer family, but you looked like you might have had something. You don't have to. Also, it's exciting. Before you were blocked by the by the like thing on the screen, but now I can see you. So now I can see you talking about answering, but not answering. Um, I really do. I really love this story. Um, and something that I think is so and there's so much modern midrash about the sun and the moon. Um, but something that I think is so interesting is just in general is Jewish storytelling and the basis for it. And when the rabbis pull this huge story out of a simple, seemingly simple to us conflict in the verse, and they pull out this incredible story. Um, so we are going to move on to some halachic material. We're going to stay on the topic of the moon, um, and we're going to move on to a little bit of halachic material from Pnei Halacha. So this is a very profound concept, but on a simple level, the moon's reduction symbolizes the deficiencies that exist in creation, the descent of the soul when it arrives in this world, and all the failures that man experiences during his lifetime. All these failures and deficiencies are prerequisites for subsequent growth, because coping with hardships helps one reach higher heights in the end. 
as Rabbi Abahu says, the holy righteous cannot stand where penitents stand. In the meantime, though, people commit sins that cause great pain in the world. In order to relieve this pain and repair the flaws, God commanded us to sacrifice a goat as a sin offering. This is the purpose of Rosh Chodesh, to show us how a new beginning sprouts from the moon's reduction, which happened as a result of its sinful indictment of God. Therefore, Rosh Chodesh is a good time for new beginnings and repentance. Indeed, it is a time of profound joy. However, until the world is redeemed from all its deficiencies, the joy of Rosh Chodesh is slightly hidden, and it's not completely revealed. And it says here to see below, but I didn't bring that, so I'll have to look it up, but it is on Safari with English, so it is accessible. So what do you think of this? How does it feel? How does it resonate? What Does it bring more meaning to Rosh Chodesh? Does it feel like it's over-justifying a thing that we know we're doing? Where does this sit with you? So we've, so we've got taken the stand. We don't need the story. We know it's a new beginning, a new hope, that the story about the moon is lovely, but we're a little, a little overdoing it. Yeah, Joey. So we've got agreement with Bob from Joey that Rosh Chodesh is a renewal on its own. I'll, oh, Cantor Chorney. So I got asked in, in a much more eloquent way than I'm going to phrase it for all of you on Zoom and YouTube. Um, I got asked what I think of this statement. Um, so that in a place that someone of that someone who is wholly righteous, as it's translated here, can't stand where a bald shuva stands, and also applied um, to converts and in this idea of Rosh Chodesh. So I'll I'll start with saying that I find most of this text really challenging. Um, I. I, that piece actually I find less challenging than most of the rest of this source, but I think there is something to it. I think, I, and it's something that I, that I actually really love sometimes. I have a lot of challenges with the rabbis of Argamara. Um, I could talk all day. There's an entire Parsha class where my point is that the rabbis overstep, but this I think I love, that they, they know that none of us are perfect people, and they know that they are not perfect people, and so some of it might be self-apologetics, but it's also creating space. And it's something that I that I love in the history of Judaism and something I love about actually about Hasidut and Hasidic movements in the original days of Baal Shem Tov was that the whole point was that Judaism had become this elitist, I want to call it an elitist machine, but an elitist group of, of people. And the Baal Shem Tov and the Hasidim said, no, it's for all of us. And for that, I think I really love this piece. Um, and I am unsure how to frame it, particularly in the context of Rosh Chodesh. I think just that we all get renewal, and there are ways of looking at how do we how do we use Rosh Chodesh for atonement, particularly, and how do we really kind of lean into this into this um, goat offering that's tacked onto it, which is so interesting. If you read the verses, um, the goat offering is tacked on at the end. Like, it brings all of the regular offerings, and it doesn't also bring a goat. Don't forget. So I think there's also opportunities for that to remind ourselves that there's an opportunity here. Fieldsmeyer family, now you've got a hand up. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Um, 
I don't have your te- the text in front of me, but um, part of it, it it made me think of when our son Ezra had his bar mitzvah and it was on Rosh it was on Shabbat Rosh Chodesh and he was learning about Rosh Chodesh and one of the things that he noticed was all, most of our big holidays are about things that happened a long time ago about you know Pesach and um, um, Shavuot and we're commemorating those things and Rosh Chodesh is about what's gonna, what hasn't happened yet. It's about the potential. It's about the month ahead. Um, so we're, we're, he said something like we're remembering things that didn't happen. You know, we're remembering the future. That like it reminds that Rosh Chodesh comes every month and reminds us of the future. And I think that, in, you know, our, our ancestors, it was this cycle that they saw over and over and it kind of gave them faith. And, and then you can translate that, like the faith that it will have, that, you know, the future will come, the month ahead will come also shows that we are, we have potential within us that whatever we're lacking, we can, uh, we can fulfill that or where there's hope that for us in the, in the time ahead. I love that. I, when I, when I get to my conclusion, you're going to hear like strings of the same thing, but I really love, you, you got me, you scoot me a little bit, but it's okay. It's worth it. I love this idea of, of that Rosh Chodesh is so different. I, I also, my bat mitzvah about Rosh Chodesh. Um, and I definitely not at 12 and even now have never really thought about that all of our other holidays mark something that's so distant from us. And Rosh Chodesh is, very much our lives still today. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with that. I really like that. Yeah. So the question is, when do you celebrate if your birthday is Zion Be'adzire? I, Jackie Honig would like to tell you to celebrate both because I think our world needs more celebration. I will also tell you, though I will confirm with Kendra Jordan, I believe you celebrate an Adar Bet is generally the, is generally the tradition that we do, that we do yurts, yeah, that we do sites and other sort of sad things in Adar Aleph, and we do happy things and joy and birthdays, because Misha Nichnas Adar Marvim Basimcha. But I still say celebrate twice, because what our world needs now is a lot more joy and celebration. Two birthday months, live it up. Taibo. Um, Rabbi David Galinkin of the conservative yeshiva, has a fascinating tshuva because he go, he thinks that um, Yardzeiten should be done in Adar Beis, but he covers all the opinions and he ends where you end in a way, but this is for Yardzeiten, in some opinions say, or minority opinions say, do both. Well, Though you were doing birthdays, he was doing Yardzeiten. I understand that. So, um, it's sorry, it's... <laughs> Confusing me that I'm hearing it again. Um, so something that I love, I really, I'm still sitting really with what Tom said, but I, I love Rosh Chodesh, and what I love about it is, and this is sort of what started to come out, is to me Rosh Chodesh feels like such a declaration of faith, and why this month as we face this and the world around us um, that we have, thankfully many of us have been in sort of this protective bubble of Shabbat, but we will face in 27 minutes. This world around us, to me, Rosh Chodesh is such a symbol of faith that we look at this small moon and we know that the moon is smaller than the sun and we know that it is small and it is easily hidden and we celebrate it when we can't even see it in the sky. A number of years ago, I traveled to Israel when I was in college on 
um, on a learning program called Israel Inks. And we were sitting up at like three o'clock in the morning in Sfat, as you do in Sfat hostels. And Rabbi Zalman Blooming taught us a story about the moon and the Jews and said that we particularly celebrate when the moon is invisible because we have faith that it's coming back. We don't have to see the moon in the sky to believe that it's there and that it's shining for us. And for me, it's such a statement of belief that we do this month after month. And we, as as Tom said, as Ezra said, we celebrate what is to come and we know whatever it is that it's coming. And it's dark when the moon is gone and we know that there's going to be light again. And so my hope is that this Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet, where we will celebrate Purim together in person, God willing, in a few weeks, brings with it all of the light of the moon and maybe even a little bit of the light of the sun. And things will hopefully be better in this month than they've been right now. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.